gosh, I, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's the craziest part, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd probably conk him in the forehead. Welcome to Kafarocast, everyone. I'm across the table from my partner in crime, Frank the Tank, and we are graced with archery legends today, Brian and Casey from Prime Archery. Thanks for uh, hopping on the podcast, fellas. Absolutely, guys. We're excited. Not a problem. Uh, so, uh, why don't you? Can you guys like uh, tell everyone what your positions are with Prime, things like that, and then we'll kind of you know go into the history of the company uh, and then start talking about the new bows. So, Brian, you kick it off. Um, let us know a little bit about yourself and, and where you're at with the company. Yeah, yeah, no, Brian Anderson, um, been with Prime, well, Prime G5 is a, is a you know, brand um, going on 14 or 15 years now, kind of uh, came from a shop, local shop, and they kind of sucked me up and been here ever since. Uh, I split sales with another guy named Mitch. He runs the East, I run the West. Basically, uh, two guys for sales kind of covers the whole country. Um, and it's more than that, you know, we're, we're, we're a small company, so from customer service to order entry, you name it, we, we do it on a daily basis here. So, um, go ahead, Casey. Yeah, no, he, when he started, he didn't have any gray. So <laughs> that, that says anything. He was full on ginger. But, yeah, he was full ginger at that point. So. <laughs> full ginger. But, um, I'm Casey. I am the marketing director here at Prime and, um, started out here around five, a little over five years ago. Um, just doing graphic design and stuff like that um, while I was going to school. And as I got my degree, I kind of worked my way up and um, we've kind of split our brands into separate things. So we've got some guys running G5, we've got Quest, and, and then I'm I'm doing Prime. So that's kind of where we sit here and, you know, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a good year. Gotcha. Yeah, we're really excited about the year. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I'll get into that here in a minute because I'm actually excited uh, too because I, I got to screw around with the bows last night. Um, with the uh, history of the company, you know, how did that, you know, kick off? Has it gone? Um, the our, our archery is, you know, constantly evolving, obviously. And, you know, there's always some kind of crazy thing going on in the industry. Um, I mean, since you guys have started a little bit of history, uh, you know, where the company's going. And then I'll ping you with a couple more questions. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, the company is... God, 50 or 60 years old now. Um, it's ran right now by Matt Grace and Nate Grace. Matt runs marketing sales and kind of the, the whole brand manager and, and, and CEO. And Nate is our chief uh, design officer. He runs engineering and all design over there. Um, basically, when I started, their father was the CEO and they've grown from there. But um, 50, 60 years ago, it was actually Lou's dad. So it's gone from Lou's dad to Lou, to the boys now. Um, so it's been a family company since they started. They started off. Um, we make things that other people don't want to, and we do a good job doing it. Um, when I started, we were making almost all all key figures for almost every credit card. If you had a credit card in your pocket, it didn't matter if it was English, Chinese, um, Japanese, we made the key figures that actually punched the numbers in the, in the, in the credit cards um, to evolve into you kind of name it from archery equipment to medical equipment. Um, well, we still do a lot of that kind of stuff now. Yeah. We worked our, we started and we had one of the, the first CNC machines that had the capabilities to use to like do really small, tiny little parts. So we started doing stuff that other people couldn't. Yep. And that's kind of where we got our base that helped. I mean, 15, 20 years later, start G5 and prime is, is we can do those tiny little things. And that's, 
where our precision engineering comes from is that, that whole background. But, um, Lou is one of the first people to kind of understand how, cause we did, we do firing pins right now. We do all through the grace engineering name. Um, and just these tiny little medical parts. And then that slowly grew what 25 years ago. Um, and, uh, to G five outdoors, which is our Lou had a huge passion for hunting and um, he kind of had a few ideas that he wanted to give give a go, and they ended up panning out really well. And I think what our Montec was our third broadhead we ever done. Uh, yeah, kind of in the transition, we had one broadhead called the B fifty two, which was the very first NEM broadhead. And a lot of guys don't necessarily know what the NEM process is. It's called molded injected metal. Um, a lot of people cast things. But the problem with casting is you can actually get voids and, and cracks and things like that. Inconsistencies where MEM was a very precision way to mold. Basically, you took a powdered metal and mixed it with wax, and it, it basically burns out the wax in the mold. Um, and you end up with a very straight um, precision point. So we had a B-52, which was a, a two-blade that turned into a new edition of that one which turned into the Montec, which has been our staple for going on 20-plus years. It's the number one fixed-blade broadhead out there. Um, you know, which has grown us into many series of broadheads, um, you know, the mechanicals, the fixed blades. Um, and now we're kind of even being able to do a little bit more on the CNC side on the broadheads where we've been doing a lot of uh, miming and machining kind of mixing. But um, 99% of that stuff is all done in house. We do everything under one umbrella. Um, instead of trying to you know, import anything in from other, other places. So, but we do do some importing um, striker blades or loose blades from um, Swiss steel sharpened in Germany. You know, so if we do go outside the box or go outside our, our umbrella, it's for a reason for the better. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, so that and then Prime was 10 years ago. Yep. And Quest is going on about 14. Basically, the, the reason we got into bows is we were actually doing a lot of manufacturing. One, it started machining, and then it turned into actually building and tuning um, a couple brands that uh, are one is still around, one isn't. Um, we we're building their bows for them, and we got to a point where we we're going, we won't. Man, Nate always had the dual cam idea in his head, and he's like, why are we building everybody else's brands? instead of our own. So we kind of, uh, well, he pitched, uh, he yeah. pitched that cam system to this other company. Um, and they, they didn't want anything of it, even though he, Nate had all this data to show this, this was a more superior cam. This solved all these issues. And it was just like, no, we don't want anything to do with it. And I said, we're, we're done making your bows. We're going to make <laughs> our own. And that's kind of where it took off. And that's kind of why it took off pretty quickly for us. Yeah. Is we were already super familiar with how to build bows. We've done it for, quite a while and, and just took off from there. So that's kind of where Prime started and that parallel cam system being as unique as it was and being as effective as it was, it, I mean, it took off pretty quick. So Yeah, Nate's got one of those engineering brains that just uh, you look at him and you go, what is he thinking about? Because he's always thinking about how to solve a problem that maybe you know, something on his deck in the backyard to, uh, you know, what, what kind of bow designs. And uh, he's that kind of guy that's always ticking and, um, and he was able to come out with that cam series and think outside the box on materials and stiffnesses and think of things that uh, as a bow hunter, we're not necessarily thinking about, but something we, we deserve while we're buying a quality product. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got, I believe it, Matt, um, just changing gears a little bit. Matt, Matt uh, is one of the yep. owners, right? Like what you guys are just, and, yep. Yep. and uh, 
I don't mean this in a negative way. Matt is not exactly a barn burning personality. He's uh, very level headed, very <laughs> calm and methodical. Uh, in 2017, I went back to shooting a compound. And uh, I went and shot all the different, you know, bows and, and uh, I ended up like in, I, I had a, a synergy and uh, I was going to actually, um, I ended up going back to a recurve in 2018, but I had a conversation with Matt and I was like, hey man, I, this is the bow for me, whatever. And as you can imagine, I'm like, I, I am balls to the walls 24 seven. Matt would not be you. On, on the other end of the spectrum. And so I'm thinking I should not have had caffeine before I got on the phone with this guy because I'm going to scare the shit out of him because I talk 100 miles an hour. Super good dude. Yeah. But I, I ended up going back to, you know, shooting a recurve, obviously. And, and uh, I messed with compounds a little bit. Um, but this year, um, you know, obviously, I, I, I Frank the other night, I was like, hey, man, give me Brian's phone number because I'm going to do a bow review. And, and honestly, I already knew what a, I thought anyway, what a, what a prime shot like. I've shot him a bunch like the bow. You guys changed quite a bit from the, that dual kind of uh, dual track cam system, um, you know, to you went from, I guess, if you count everything, 11 strings or seven, however you want to look at it, uh, to three. And, and in my opinion, I actually gained um, a lot of positive things with this new system. Uh, I have I shot all three of them, but I, I, I like the i5. I like the string angle on my face. But um, that bow is good speed. I, I'm at two, but I have 284 with a 584 grain arrow, 29 inch draw. 484. Hmm? 484 grain arrow. What did I say? 584. Bit much. Um, <laughs> It was a pretty big transition for us. I mean, when we started the parallel cam, yeah. start out by saying, it was <laughs> yeah, you know, we had five strings. We basically had two cables and then, uh, you know, three piece strings and then the two splitters. I mean, like you said, five to seven pieces right there. And then um, for dealer wise, I mean, we had good support, but we needed to help them. So that's where we we came out with the uh, the rotating mod in the uh, Black Series and this in the um, Nexus Series last year. But it also added an additional splitter in the, in the um, cables. So now, like you said, seven strings, um, four sets of, or, you know, two donuts and two strings. We're at 11, 12, whatever it came out to. It was just got to the point where a lot of customers, I mean, yes, the system was phenomenal. I mean, it was bulletproof, but it, it was intimidating to some of the guys, some of the new guys that didn't understand the technology, um, some of the kind of major backpackers and, and, you know, backwood guys like you guys would. I mean, it's one thing to work on a bow, you know, with a ratchet strap in the woods when you got a couple pieces, but when it's getting to that point, you're kind of SOL if something happens. Um, so we wanted to look at what we've been working on, and, and Nate and, and Matt and Scott have a ton of ideas and a ton of great uh, stuff, but a lot of them just kind of get put to the side because, no, we are the parallel cam company. That's what we need to do. Well, this year they decided they're going to look back through some of the ideas they've had um, and kind of go, well, is this tangible? Is this a prime product? You know? And, uh, when they came to us and said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go back to a single track this year or, or go to a single track this year. We all like puckered right up. You know I mean? We're all looking, you know, yeah. probably, probably too many conversations that we probably shouldn't have had talking shit. And, and uh, <laughs> but when they brought the original design and idea to us, it was like, well, nobody's ever done this, you know, there's been track systems. And, and what I'm talking about is the cam system itself looks a lot like a normal binary system. 
Um, but for the guys that haven't seen it yet, when you draw the bow back, the, the cam or the, the cable track is on a, a helicoil basically, and it moves the cables behind the string. So basically where we had the cables behind the string on the, the parallel cam, we're, we're making our system do that same thing um, where no other system's done it. They've had some systems in the eighties with dart and things like that, that moved it out. So they were trying to get rid of the cable guard, which was great, but you're inducing torque. Well, we, we decided if we can move it the other direction, this is going to be a truly amazing system. If it works and it pans out, which it, it did. And I mean, obviously we, we were, we're starting out with a gangbuster this year. Yeah. But I'll, I'll kind of take a step back there from what he was saying. And so the, the reason behind the parallel cam, cam system was just like to balance all of that cam load. So your cables are, I mean, at full draw, your cables are at 90% of the cam load. And that's what, that's what creates cam lane. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole idea behind the parallel cam system is to eliminate that and to make that as consistent as we can, and that's what's going to lead towards accuracy. Yep. So when we got away from that, we were just kind of like, we were, obviously we were scared that we're going to lose all this balance, but that's kind of what that cable being brought to the center of the cam does, is when you're at full draw and that cable's holding that 95% of the of the weight, it's actually still going to be in the dead center of the axle, and you're not going to get that cam lean. And it's all going to be evenly balanced throughout the entire draw cycle and the second you pull that trigger. So that's kind of the concept behind our cam systems, even though they're super different, they they alleviate the same problem. They're, they're, they're solving the same exact thing. So that's where we all kind of, as soon as we, were, we came to realize that that's the whole purpose of it and it's the purpose and our, our target hasn't changed, that's when we all kind of took a, a deep sigh and we're like, okay, yeah. like, yeah. at least we're not getting too far away from what we've, what we've done in the past. We're still solving the same issue. And I do recommend having anybody that's kind of interested in this, go to our website, take a look at the video. Uh, Scott, one of our engineers did a video. Another guy, a lot like Matt, he's a little dry and it takes a little bit to get through, but he explains it really, really well, showing balancing points and then how we were able to accomplish this. So I tell people, check it out. Bears through the boringness a little bit, but I mean, but he we really cut, explains it well. So, so we cut that video down. It, it was a half an hour of him with <laughs> formulas up on the board. He's an engineer, so it's just like, I can, no, none of us could even understand what he was talking about. So we had to cut it in five minutes to make it, make it dummy proof. And that's when a few of us started to get it. But it's, it's a video worth watching. And it, this whole concept that we're talking about, the cable bringing inside and, and load transfer and stuff like that, it, it makes a lot more sense when you visually see it. Yeah. Because there, there has been other brands out there that have done a similar system um, by placing the cables on the other side of the cam or, um, you know, splitters and things like that. One, we wanted to go simple. We wanted to go back to a three piece string system, but we know with the cam system, with the, with the parallel cam, if you try to put the load on the other side, it does help, but it doesn't do it as well. And it comes into clearance issues because you're trying to run a cable across the cam where we want to keep everything on one side. So we had the best clearance, no rubbing, no, nothing that's going to have to put a little plastic sleeve on your cable, you know, for clearance, you know, little things that we've noticed with other brands that they work. We want to do it in a better, simpler fashion. Mm-hmm. Right. So yesterday, like from a tuning aspect, um, which you guys can appreciate this, I, I did the normal, you know, put it on the vice, got the rest on, got the people, you know, all the normal stuff. And so got yeah. the side on and I, I looked over to Matt, I was at Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear and I said, hey, Matt, we throw a quick prayer to baby Jesus that I don't have to shim these cams. Uh, Cause inevitably with the prime and most bows for me, 
I would have to shim the cam to the left. And now I will say with your system, it's much easier. I didn't have to do it, but I, 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 of course, for the review I'm doing and everything else, I wanted to understand the concept. Back in the day, which meant last year, you had plastic shims and shit. And, and I mean, some other companies have come up with some different things, but you, you got to shim the cam over. Well, my, you know, my form didn't change nothing, you know, obviously shooting the same thing. So pretty much a bullet hole. I think I bumped my arrow S to the inside a 16th of an inch. So I, and I bare shafted out to 50. So since I had to do, since I didn't have any issues as far as shimming over, and that's my form, I did want to kind of dissect uh, tuning with uh, this inline system. You guys changed uh, quite a bit uh, in simplicity wise, I'm sure, obviously, for your own mental health as well as your dealers. Do you want to talk about the kit that comes with that, how that works, and why it's easier? Because uh, you'll explain it a hell of a lot better than me. I understood the concept, but I'll, I'll probably jack it up. Nope, you're good. And we'll be honest, like if anybody the last couple of years have shot our bows, kind of the same thing that you've been getting. If, if they were having a tear through paper, it tended to be a right tear. So we looked at a couple options on that. One that means that we didn't, you haven't even really hit on it, probably don't even notice. Um, one, we've actually shifted the limb pockets off center. That brings everything a little tighter to the riser. Um, it kind of moves that over so it's free shimmed, but we didn't want to put it that way because we still want that string and that axle um, and the cables running down the center of the camp. So that's where we wanted to start that. So that's helping out significantly. Um, but the other system is um, the, the shim system you're talking about, which we had it very similar last year, um, which was basically basically a big kind of hockey puck system. It's, it's, it gets a series of four, basically. There's two shims on the top, two shims on the bottom, um, and ha each of them have a dot on it. From the factory, they come with two dots on both sides, but in the package, in the bow, um, you're going to get a set of shims that's going to have a one and a three on it. So it's the same exact width. You're just basically being able to move it to the right or move it to the left. Um, corresponding to what your tear is or how your grip is on the bow. Um, one thing we, we did change this year and it's, 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 you'll have to see it to believe it. Um, the shims aren't circle. They're not donuts anymore. They're actually a big C ring, just like a C ring would be on an axle on the, on the E-clip. Um, what you do is basically take it to the shop because we, we, we supply the dealers with the, with the tool, but basically they just loosen the axle up, put this, uh, put this tool on it, give it a little tap in the, the, the washer or the C-ring now pops right off the axle. You put a new one on it to whichever way you want to shim it, snap it back in place, and you're good to go. You do not have to remove your axle this year um, to be able to do that. A lot of bow systems in the past, you have to remove the axle. You have to count spacers. You have to do all these series to do any kind of shimming. You basically have two options. You got you got to get to the series of four, so you got two and two or one and three. But you can basically pop these things out with very minimal pressure and very, very quickly to be able to one help sell bows faster. You know, they're not in the back room for 30 minutes when they're trying to reshim a bow for a guy. Um, but also just an easier, simpler way to system just to do it, to make sure you can kind of get out there faster. If you do need to make a change fast, it's, 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 it's easy, easy. I was going to say, I, I don't know that you have explained the gravity of the situation quite to the level. Maybe that you should me being the guy tuning 30 minutes would be, pretty freaking optimistic um for for me with the old system the new system i don't know two minutes i mean i threw it you know they've oh. got the uh, i've got the wheel last chance they've got the electronic you know, yep. whatever so loosen up the tension i literally a couple tap tap taparoos and you're done where before 
and this is for people listening in that have not had to do this. You got to pull a C clip off. Right. Then you've got, you know, generally whatever type of, of system that you have, you got to pull the through, uh, I'm just going to call it through rod, but the axle through. Then you got to take the shims, shift them, hold them in place, and then put that fucking rod back through without dropping any plastic shims, and then get the C clip back on. With this, there was none of that. You just pop the, like what you guys, the donuts or whatever, not the donuts, but the, the C clips. What, what do you guys yep. call them? It's not a C clip, but. I don't even know if we really put a name to them. Easy tune is what we call them internally just because it's a fast tuning system. But um, yeah, it's, it's an oversized C-clip basically that, I mean, will not come off, you know, during a shot. You know, it's, it's tight. Your axles are actually, when you tighten the axle cap down, there's a screw in the axle cap that holds it in place that will never allow it to come off unless you do what you said. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, even going to other systems that have integrated into the riser or um, these major systems that they have on the, you know, axle caps and things like that. We still wanted to be simple. We wanted to be something that we know is tried and true. And a, and a standard shim is where that's at. But we, we made it an easier way to use a standard shim. Well, you know, coming mm-hmm. from uh, not only a, a, a hunter, a tournament shooter, a user, uh, you know, I'm looking at this because I tune a ton of guys' bows. Um, well, I mean, one, whoever came up with this, go give them a hug for me because I was like looking at this like, oh, fuck me running. This is easy. This is way easy. Uh, you know, and not only, not only that, it's easier, in my opinion, for people to learn because when it's such a daunting task to do this, guys are a little more timid to try and may shoot a bow that might not be as accurate as it could be because they're afraid to, you know, shift something over, especially when you're talking about a cam because it is daunting. This. I'm not saying you need to, you should just dive right in and you're not going to screw it up, but it's a lot easier system for people to learn, to, for people to learn on how to tune. Right. And if it came down to it and if it was an old school guy that does like to take the cams off, you can still do that. It still slides off the axle just like a normal shim, but we want to make it for the guys in the shop, um, guys working. I mean, a lot of, a lot of customers don't realize how much goes into a bow. Um, you know, every single bow, if we could make a bow every single time the same, we would, but there's not a brand out there that can do that. So there is going to be things with how metals, you know, relax, how limbs are built, um, deflections on limbs, things like that, that we feel are very, very consistent and they are, but there's still those little things that come into how your grip is, um, you know, how your shoulders react, you know, I mean, all these things come into effect on how your bow shoots. So if we can make it easier for the guy behind the counter to go, Oh, you got a right tear. I don't know. I've already moved the rest of 16th. All right, let's slide this over. Bang, bang. We're, we're, we're back to rolling instead of having to go, all right, go get a cup of coffee. I'll, I'll see you in 15, 20 minutes where this is something the guy can stand on the range. The guy can run back to the, you know, the press, do it real quick and be right back out to him. And, uh, it, 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 it's a lifesaver. I mean, it really is in the time factor. It gives confidence into, into the customer, um, that he's not back there having to rebuild a brand new bow for some reason. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that don't realize what it takes to, to tune a bow. Um, you know, and, and it, it takes more, you know, and that's why there's a lot of shops that are charging more and more for retuning bows and doing this kind of stuff. And, and if we can make it easier on the front side for everybody, that's what, that's where we wanted to be. And before I move on to the, to the grip, which also was, it in it very a, a genius uh upgrade um w- I was talking about tuning you know and and I've had pro shops get pissed at me rightfully so because of the way I tune 
you know, I tune the bow. I don't tune the bow to the arrow. I tune the arrow to the bow, and I'll make some microtune tweaks to the bow when needed. Meaning, I started at a, a length and maybe cut the arrow down, add point weight, uh, keeping everything perfectly center shot. And once I get it as close as I possibly can by tuning the arrow to the bow, then I'll tweak the bow or the rest. That is extremely time consuming, and nothing you should ask a pro shop to do uh, without charging you. <laughs> Every pro shop did that. A bows would be a significantly higher price than what they are right now. So well, they already um, no. You're, you're absolutely they hate they hate I me already for saying it. So I have to throw context into that. So go ahead. <laughs> nope, you're you're right. I mean, each each guy's going to set up a bow differently. I was talking to a customer last night that um, had another shop that's right down the road that you know basically throws it down the middle, throw a bull all through paper, but never check groups, never did the little things, you know. And then they come to him and he does those final little details on it. Um, and that's nice because you're not going to get that service with every shop. But the majority of the shops are pretty good about that stuff. But it does go that extra mile, um, you know, to kind of do these small things. Like, I'm not a big fan of paper tuning myself. I like group tuning. I like walkback yep. tuning. Yep. That, to me, is a process that puts me behind the bow, not necessarily just the arrow going through the paper. Um, you know, so each guy's going to do a different system of tuning. And I think that's where you're, where you're saying it. Most shops don't want to hear that because they want to be able to just tell a guy either set up a bow and shoot it or set it up and punch it through paper real quick and then get out the door. Um, you also have to take, and, take and, into you know consideration most people can't shoot. Not most. It's pretty hard to yeah. tune perfection with an imperfect shooter. And so like group tuning and walkback tuning, I've had guys, you know, tell me, I'm like, well, what's your group like normally? And they tell me, I'm like, well, f- shit on a shingle, buddy. You're expecting... The bow is not going to make you better, right? I mean, it makes you more accurate. I mean, uh, an inaccurate bow, you know, whatever, an accurate bow, you're going to be more accurate. But if you suck, the bow is only going to help so much. And the tuning portion of this is is for people to understand this. Guys coming in saying, I want 23% fuck. Well, you're fucking crazy, right? Like you, why do you want that? You know, and if you do... You better be ready to pay that shop to go through the pain and anguish of tuning 275 grains up front on a carbon arrow because there is a, a, a window, yeah. I think, that you, where you go to, you know, you want to tune a 50 grain point up front or you want to tune a 275 grain point, you're off your rocker on either end, right? You know, you want to look 125 to 175 up front. I think that's, would you guys say that's a fair assessment for point weight and, and components? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it definitely has been a trend for obviously FOC has been a major trend the past couple of years. And, uh, I think the brands have really tackled it. There's some doing it well and there's some that aren't, you know, and I'm not going to call it names by any means, but they, those are the guys that understand that process. And a lot of even dealers don't understand what it takes to, to tune a system like that, or even if it can be tuned, you know, there's a lot of guys that, well, this is exactly what so-and-so told me to shoot. But you're a different draw length, you're a different poundage, you're doing everything different, it's a different bow. You know, things are going to are gonna factor into that. And so, yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're, you're hitting it right in the head that 150 to 175 is about what most guys are running. You know, 100, 125 grain on a tip, they're running a heavier insert or a collared system, and they're getting enough front and center, but not that extreme that really is hard to do. Well, when, when you're shooting... Um... I don't want to dive off the deep end because we've talked about this a ton. All right, you're a standard consumer. You come in, you have average talent, right? Average skill. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. All right, the, the, the pro shop, in my opinion, should 
set your arrow up and walk. You know, again, I'm not a paper tuning guy either, but shooting a bullet hole, right? Okay. Yep. If, if you have inaccurate grip, well, one out of three might be a bullet hole and you better be happy because it's you, not the bow. Meaning you tore left, one shot one, bullet hole shot two, tore right, shot three. You got grip problems or release problems, right? I mean, the pro shop can only do so much. So let's say you have a high level of skill. Um, when I say that, meaning yeah. you're a good shooter, but you're not good at tuning. And you want to have yep. that far end of the spectrum. So you're looking at, if you should be standard 70, 29, you can get away with a three, 350 to 300 spine arrow. There are 340 to 300, somewhere in that realm, depending upon your exactly. point. Wait. Okay, so if you throw in the, hey, I just, I'm not going to mention the guy's name. He's been on the podcast. I just watched, it, it rhymes with Ranch Ferry. And, uh, you know, he wants, <laughs> you know, 250, 300 grams up front. If that's what you want, I get it, right? You know, you don't, you don't need it, in yeah. my opinion. But you better pay the pro shop because you are asking them to do something far above and beyond standard. Most pro shops probably don't even have 200 grain points. A lot of them won't because they don't need it. And so, no. No. yeah, I, you, know. It, it, you have to drop at least a spine, maybe two. Um, you know, so there's a lot more to it uh, when, you, when it comes to tuning. Now, I will say your system, we screwed around a lot with it. Did you guys find that this specific, I have, again, the, the, the I-5, the inline 5, I was able to tune and shoot relatively um, good paper, t- <coughs> excuse me, good paper tune or good group tuning with a larger variance in point weight and arrow length, meaning it was a much more easier tunable bow than past bows I've shot as yours as well as other companies. I was able to shoot 100 and 125 up front and uh, plus or minus a half an inch and still stay in, a, a, you know, a softball at 30 with all of those variables. Did you guys find that this the same thing or am I just pulling that out of my ass? No, no, a- absolutely. We're, we're experiencing it. Um, Scott, one of our engineers, he's basically kind of the main engineer for Prime. I mean, Nate kind of backs him up, but Scott's the one that does all the stuff. And he has... I don't, I would say gone arrow crazy the past year, um, from lengths to weights to you name it, whatever it can be. But we're finding that we have a a broader, broader range with this bow than we ever had. Like I would say in the past, we always kind of rode on the, the, the lighter side of spine to get it to go. It seems like you can go heavier, lighter, um, a lot more options to be able to get a lot more, you know, desired arrows that you want through this system. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. And I think that has a lot to do with our, with the cam system and just like, it, it's finally starting to show how important this weight distribution load is on the axle and how everything's in, in that knock travel. And I think that has a lot to do with, with pushing that. It doesn't matter how much you put up front. I mean, obviously you're going to have your extreme high and low that are going to be a little bit tweaky, but um, for the most part, we were able to, to broaden that range on how arrows are going to fly out. And that's something that, like Brian was saying, our engineer right now is that his obsession <laughs> is arrows, and I, next year's bow is going to be even better when it comes to that. Yeah, that's his his thing right now is how can we get every arrow to fly perfect out of this bow? But yeah, I hate to throw the the name of the bow in there, but that inline system is kind of where we wanted to go with this. I mean, there's a reason yeah. we named it that. There's a reason there's that system does come in line, and uh, you know it, it has helped significantly on on being able to tune. I mean, that 
Scott would love to have a bow where he could ship one arrow with it and make sure everybody knows that the bow shot perfectly from the factory. I mean, we obviously know that everybody's different. Everybody's going to have different grips and things like that. Um, but that would be the goal at the end of the day is go, Hey, this bow bulletproof bullet hold from the factory. Um, you know, we know it kind of like uh, the MOA paperwork you get on long range rifles. Uh, here's your half an inch MOA group. Yeah. Scott wants to have that kind of system with this and, and to be able to have this new system and be able to, grow with it, I think we're going to be able to even grow into some categories and some things that we've never been able to do and, and keep that tuning as minimal as possible. Gotcha. And before I was cracking on the ranch for a, he's a friend and he's actually not as far into the spectrum as people portray him to be. He's a 550 grain arrow guy, but the, the high Fox stuff, I get his name pops up, which is why I brought that up. I don't want to get any hate mail about no, the range. <laughs> we chuckle about that every day. Cause obviously our other half of this, this game is broadheads and, and we don't do the high, you know, FOC stuff. We're a hundred to 125 green brand. And, uh, you know, for us to have to fight that battle is definitely not easy when you got guys like, uh, you know, the, the hunting public that follow that trend and some of the other guys that are following those trends. A lot of guys like those guys and a lot of guys want to follow that kind of guy. But you said it in a nutshell, if you're not ready to spend some money and yeah. put some time behind it, you may not be able to ever get a system like that to tune as perfect as you could with just a standard setup. But if you put the time and the effort into it and the right, you know, it may be taking changing grips or any of that kind of stuff to get this thing perfect. It's, it's doable. It's just not as easy. Yeah. And that's one of the toughest things too, is telling somebody that their grip is what's wrong. It's oh. Like I can't imagine being a dealer. I know Brian was on it at one point, but just like, we get bows sent back that are just like, we cannot get this bow to tune. We can't get this bow to tune. We bring it here and we have three guys shoot it and we all get a bullet hole out of it. How do you tell the guy that, that he, yeah. needs to, he needs to, to work a little bit on his form? Oh, I, 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 I don't mind. The number one we always crack up with is uh, uh, Mitch, my partner on the sales side. He's also kind of the main guy in the tech and He's, well, I think it's just turned 25. So when he started here, he was 20, 21. And the word, boy, I've been shooting longer than you've been alive. It comes out more than you could ever fucking imagine. <laughs> Even though we just want the guy to know, hey, just tweak your grip a little bit. I've been shooting, you know, yes, you've been shooting for 50 years, but you haven't shot a prime before. It takes, sometimes it just takes yourself to... Adjust your grip a little to the right, a little bit to the left, a little more heel. What's this new bows in general? In new bows in general, every yeah. brand. You know, you're a 15 year old boy and then picks up any new bow, he's going to shoot terribly for Well, and I so. mean, all the things we're talking about, which is obviously, you know, good information for people to understand that, you know, when, you, mm-hmm. when you're setting up um, any new bow, whether the last bow you had was, I don't know, whatever, 15 years ago, and you're, you're you know, now you're looking at all the new brands. You know, the, the things that I always try to get people to understand is first, when you go shoot the bows, know your ability. Okay, you're not going to shoot, yep. the bow's not going to shoot above your ability. It's, it's, it's going to maybe yep. easier to shoot to your ability, but, you know, it's not going to have these magical little fairies that hop in the arrow and group them together tighter than you can hold. And so, yeah. and maybe I haven't been to that shop, but I, I, most places don't, don't offer that. Um, and next. You find that, sir. No. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's like the crazy hot matrix. When you find her, catch her, yeah. you want to study her. Um, the next thing, know what you're going after. Uh, when I say going after, um, you know, a lot of guys, I hunt a tree stand, I need a short bow. Mm, yep. I hunt a tree stand a lot. I don't think that's true. But if that's what you want, find the parameter. I want around a 33-inch bow. Now, 
cam size. You know, for me, axle to axle back in the day meant a lot more than today because the cams are size of dinner plates. And so string to string, you may be comfortable with a certain angle coming across your face. Now, if you don't know, you don't know. But you know what I mean? Get an idea. Get an idea of the speed you want to shoot. Get an idea of the arrow weight you want to shoot. The poundage you're comfortable with. All of those different things. And then walk in the shop with an idea of what you want. And it, it, like, I knew I wanted a, a longer bow, at least 33 or longer. And to be honest, until I started doing this bow review, you know, I walked in and just looked down the, the row of all the different bows, as funny as this is. And I looked for the bows with the cam hanging down farther and was like, what's that one? Right. I just wanted, I like that string angle. Know those different things. And no. then when you're shooting, I, you know, to me, all of the newer bows and your guys and everyone else, everybody makes a high quality product. It's just oh, absolutely. that one specific high quality bow is going to sing to you a little better than others. It may be the draw cycle, maybe the grip, which you guys, I think, probably knocked it out of the park better than any grip I had shot this year. Um, you know, meaning the grip you have this year is better than any grip I've ever shot before. It, very, it caters very much to a consistent grip for me. So I knew what I wanted when I walked in. Now I want to know, all right, speed-wise, I wanted to shoot around a 470 to 500 grain arrow. Now, this was comical. Um, I had ordered an 80-pound bow before really shooting these. I quickly changed my order because <laughs> I don't need that much poundage because <laughs> these are faster than, you know, you, this bow this year, that inline five is about 12 feet faster than what I had expected. When I say that, meaning... There's a general speed prime shoot. There's a general speed every bow shoot. Um, and so I'm like, ah, I'm probably going to get around 270. I ended up getting 284 with that 480-ish grain arrow. This bow's a little faster than what I had expected. Now, again, I've been shooting a stick bow, so I've, I haven't shot your bows the last couple of years or really any of them. Um, I knew what I wanted. Now, I'm rambling here, but with you guys, you offer... Um, three different basic in this inline models uh, in links. You guys, I'm sure, yep. did that to simplify things for what I'm for what I, exactly what I'm talking about to cater to what that specific person wants. Yeah, nope, exactly. I mean, we're we hope to be. I mean, Casey kind of laugh about this. If we look at like some of the brands that came out this year, I mean, I'll say it right now, Bowtech. They just came out with the new, you know, their new bows. If you look at the new flyer, they come out with a bow for everybody. Yeah, that's great, but you had to get 25 bows to figure that out. We're, we don't want to be in that category. We want to have three, maybe four bows in a lineup that are going to be able to hit 95% of the people out there. Do we miss on some super long draw guys? Sure. Do we miss on some short axle, axle or some, some short drawing people? Sure. But we got the majority of the range to hit 99% of the people out there. But like you said, there's different accomplishments with each model. Our short bow is going to be one of our slower bows, but it's got a big brace height. So when you go short, you're losing a little bit of forgiveness. We got it back with the brace height. Our 33 has kind of always been that pinnacle. It seems like no matter what we do, we always kind of get back to that 32, 33 inch bow with a six and a half to seven inch brace height just seems to be what everybody really falls in love with. Um, and then on our five, um, we don't really push the target side a ton. We have some target bows. I mean, obviously we have the black nine, the Nexus six, um, but that 35, that 36 is a strange bow, name, the that. black nine. What's that? Who came up with that name? The black nine. 
Yeah, you don't. You guys don't. No, really want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, Casey actually came out with the Black Series, but it came out with. I mean, we had what one, three, five, nine. Yeah, I will say we came out with the Black Series just before that whole like the Black yeah. Lives Matter stuff. Well, I mean, and we all just kind of like. We may like, have oh to. We may have to edit this out. But do you have like a white five and a half, and then the black nine? <laughs> um, you, you, would, you wouldn't be surprised how many dealers <laughs> got a call back because if that was next year's series, you yeah. know, if we did, you'd be the first one to get. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah how about that? Oh, all right. We'll probably edit that out. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you, but you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's not easy picking names. No, <laughs> but um. But yeah, so where we get that five, that five is, um, you know, kind of that crossover bow where a guy like you that likes a long axe with axle still has great speed with a six inch brace height, but not any shorter than that, you know, or a guy that wants to shoot 3d or even, um, you know, some target guys can get into that category. So you'll see that across the board with us normally or our shorter ones are going to be just kind of overall hunting bows. Yeah. Um, middle bow is going to be a little crossover and then into the longer bows, which are definitely crossover. But I mean, each year, I think it's a little different on what we shoot internally. I mean, for a long time, I shot nothing but long axle, axle bows, 35, 36s. And then last couple of years, I wanted to go a little lighter on my setup. So I went down to 33s, um, 32s. And uh, this year, I'm back up to 35 just because it, it was the bow that, yeah. when I put it in my hand, I fell in love with. And I think Casey's been kind of back and forth, yeah, three and five. But yeah. Well, you but, guys. Yeah, one thing. But, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you guys do it backwards, which I think is correct. Why would you want a short yep. bow with a short brace height and a long bow with a really, again, for hunting, right? Tournament's a little bit different, but, um, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me if you're already shooting a, and I say inaccurate bow, a bow a little bit more less forgiving to shoot in a 32, 31, 33, whatever inch bow, um, and then add a short brace height. If you have a longer bow and a shorter brace height, they're kind of coinciding with each other to make the best package, meaning I've got that extra forgiveness and a longer bow, and then I've got a little bit yep. shorter brace height, which increases the speed. So it just made sense yep. to me, because if I'm going to shoot a shorter bow, I'm going to want a little bit more forgiving brace height. Uh, and, you know, a little bit less speed is fine, because speed also is control, and the faster you shoot, the more, you know, you might run out of control as far as tuning and broadheads, things like that. But um you guys do it the right way, and I'm not saying that because you're, that's one of those reasons I, you know, especially catered to that I-5, is I didn't want to shoot a short bow and a crazy short brace height. I wanted to shoot a longer bow, gain some speed back, um, and have some forgiveness in that length, but also, you know, I got a little bit shorter brace height, which gave me more speed, which made way more sense to me. And one cool thing that a lot of people don't realize about our bows, um, and we haven't even talked about it, is center grip. Um, Every bow in the industry, the, the center of the bow is give or take really close to the burger button hole. Well, the problem with that is, is one, you're not directly behind the arrow when you're shooting and two balance points, it puts all the weight above the grip. Um, so what we've done is we've actually moved it up two, almost two inches to where the center of the bow is the grip now. And you'll notice it in the size of our cams. But one thing that we don't talk about when people are talking about that center grip besides accuracy is, is now you have a 35 inch bow that actually above the grip acts like a 32 or a 33 inch bow. So it performs you know, you have more room in a tree stand, you have more room in a, in a ground line. So you're able to get a longer axle to axle bow and still be able to hunt in some situations 
and feel like you're you're with a short bow in your hand, which is one thing that I've been I've, I've really loved because I'm I'm not the tallest guy and I've you know got short arms. So if I shoot a longer bow, I'm bumping the top of the blind or you know in a tight tree stand, you, you don't have to worry about what's above you so much. Just make sure you you know your cam's clear on the bottom. Um, but that's been a big factor on, on a lot of guys that do uh, ground ground blind hunting and being able to shoot a longer bow with our system. Yep. No, that makes that makes total sense. Let's talk about the uh, the grip. And I don't know if you guys watch Lord of the Rings, but uh, the Mithril that makes sure he doesn't get stabbed by the orc. They're like, oh, he's wearing Mithril. That uh, grip you guys have. Uh, what kind of voodoo witchcraft did you guys get with that that material for that? Because that was something new I personally hadn't seen. Obviously, just the placement and feel of the grips one thing, but you're not going to freeze your hand to the riser, which is great. Um, but who came up with that? What was the concept behind it? Why? And, and is that something you guys screwed around with for a while? Because um, I, I that that's that's new. I don't I don't think that's been used before. There's in the industry right now. It's us and then Sika that's using it, um, and that's new to them. It was kind of funny. One of my buddies came up to me at a at a tax shoot and said, "Sika is going to be pissed at you." I said, "Why?" Well, Aerogel is going to be in our clothing this year. I'm like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, no, it was, it was kind of a collab in the office. One, we knew we wanted to go to an overmolded grip. We wanted to kind of get away from a bare aluminum riser. We love the feel of that. I think most shooters love the feel of that, but it's cold. Yeah, you, yeah. even your standard overmold grip, people think that, that that takes a lot of that cold, and it doesn't. You, it still conducts a lot of that, that cold temperature from your aluminum riser. Obviously, you have carbon where you're not going to get a lot of heat, but um, what we needed to do is our objective was to separate that overmold from our riser and figure out a, a good way to do that. And our engineers, we had these metal bars. It's pretty much how we started doing it is we had these metal bars and we wrapped them in all this different stuff. We had hockey tape, we had tennis tape, we had um, plastic, we had like plastic dip, we had all this crazy stuff and we stuck it in a, a freezing cold freezer for a week and we pulled it out and we took temperature each one and we put it back in and take temperature again after a little while and and not only did that aerogel win, but it blew everything out of the water. And let's, let's explain this aerogel. So aerogel is a NASA developed product that they've been using inside of satellites, inside of their own suits. Um, inside of space shuttles for years and years and years. It's 99% air. Air is the best insulation. How do you trap air better? This is what aerogel basically is. Um, the problem with it is it's not cheap. I mean, it's a very expensive product to work with. Um, I think, and I, I'm trying to throw the name out there, Arctic Shield, I think was one of the very first companies to ever use it probably 10 years ago, but the product wasn't developed really well for that. It was loud. It was stiff. It was things like that. And I could be wrong on the name of that company, but I think it was Arctic Shield. Um, but I think it was the Koreans that had developed this stuff into a much easier accessible product to be able to use. Um, and they basically became into a, a sheet of this stuff. Um, if you, if you actually go out there and look at this stuff, they have an aerogel where they're using one of, uh, Elon Musk's, um, not a flamethrower and basically blasting this sheet of aerogel as hot as you can get. And it's reading at like four to 800 degrees on the one side and the other side, and this stuff's only a half an inch thick. He's got his hand directly on the pad on the other side and it's not hot, you know, it stays very neutral. It stays very consistent. We figured out like, Hey, if we can get this material and it's able to use. So we've actually been able to flip that underneath the grip. And basically our biggest thing is 
why spend $2,000 on a carbon bow when it's pretty much that what most people buy it for because it's warm to the touch when we can make a more consistent bow with aluminum and then put this product underneath our grip. So um, one, That's have a great feeling grip, have it wrap around so you have a front and a back, but then be able to have that thing so if it's cold, it's hot, it's going to be that same consistent grip every single time. Yeah. What we like to say is, and we have, we have numbers to back it up, but we say warmer than carbon. Yeah. It really is. Well, the one thing, and, and this is me with the carbon bow, uh, and this is for you know, <clears throat> I, I like a, I like an accurate bow. Now, don't get me, I don't want to pack a 12 pound bow into the wilderness, although I have many times. Um, I, and this is not bashing any specific company. I'm just saying if you do the math, the weight savings is extremely minimal. The cost is extremely heavy um, for the carbon. And I ended up having enough, sh- add enough shit on the stabilizer system. It weighs the same damn thing anyway. Because there's a certain weight I like to have in my hand when I'm, when I'm hunting or target shooting. It's a different weight. And so, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not bashing carbon bows. I am just saying for me, I never had really the appeal to it um, that others had. Because one, it's expensive. Uh, two. You know, when the riser was cold, I would wrap a uh, vet wrap around the grip. I don't have to do that with here because you, obviously you have the, um, you know, the, the, the new grip and the new material. Um, but the other thing was, too, is if I end up adding an extra three ounces of stabilizer weight, I just cancel down and gain $600 in price, $700, whatever it was. So that, yep. again, no, not, we, oh, go ahead. We agree with uh, we actually kind of even did that on, on the, the center grip with our bows because of how it balances and puts the weight lower. Like we can put less weight on our bows and balance better than most other systems out there. But the same thing, yeah, it's even more with the carbon where, you know, you yeah, you spent $1,900 on a bow, but you put $400 worth of stabilizers on there to get it to balance, which with our system, you can put a lot less. You may not even have to put a back bar or side bar on it, put a small front bar on it and be able to, you know, one, have a much lighter system, um, you know, but then have, you know, have a, have a more economical price too. You know I mean? Um, hate to say it, but bows aren't getting cheaper. You know, we, we actually went up a hundred dollars this year. Um, we didn't want to, but costs have definitely made a major factor with that this year. Um, cost of building, cost of product, um, you know, obviously getting materials. Um, but we did it where we, we, we felt we were in the right spot where the products at a great price point still, um, but you're getting everything that you could even with a higher end bow with, with our product. You, but you guys are higher end just you guys are, cause we're, we're right there. With you're you're yeah. 1150 for the inline five, 1200 somewhere. I'm, I'm, yep. Okay. Again, I, I, I got mine at Rocky mountain. They, they gave me a deal. They can't get in trouble for that. Can they? Anyway, um, they, uh, <laughs> I, I'm on the coolest, right? Um, Looking yeah. at com- looking at comparison prices, I you know I keep in mind I'm old, right? So back in the day, um, a bow didn't cost much different than what a sight costs now, like six fifty, yeah. seven ninety nine, uh, you know, seven hundred. That was what a bow costs now. I looked, there was bows at the two thousand dollar price range, eighteen hundred dollar price range, which you know, if you've got the money, what you know, whatever, but if you can offer, it's no different than mountain bikes, right? You're offering great components, great frame, great suspension, and you're able to do it at a lesser price. It's not like you guys are offer. You're not giving a lesser product for the money. You you are giving an equal product, and in some ways better. 
for three to eight hundred, nine hundred dollars difference. Is did you guys run all these different numbers? Because I did. It's part of my review. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we're sitting, um, you know, pretty equivalent to some of the aluminum risers, but definitely cheaper than than, than most. Um, obviously, the new carbon bows from Hoyt and PSC are sitting at nineteen hundred this year. Um, those are bare bows, and like you said, sights, rest, all that stuff is double, triple, quadruple the price they were even four years ago. Um, you know, if guy wants to go in and buy nothing but the high end stuff, a guy's able going to be able to buy almost all that stuff with our bows, where they're going to be starting with that price of a carbon bow. Um, which is, I mean, if you if you want to spend the money for carbon, sure, go ahead and do it. I don't think at the end of the day you're going to get that much more out of it. I mean, if you look at physical weights of our bows, we're within a one or two ounces of most carbon bows. Um, and like we said, with the center grip, you're not having to put as much cape, you know, you know, stabilizers and bars on it. I mean, we're probably physically lighter in, in the overall run of it and, you know, the cost effective on it, you know, um, you know, we, we're hunters here, but at the end of the day, we're, we're good old country boys out here in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, we're, we're going to try to make the most economical product we can, but also have the best product, you know, Mm -hmm. supported by that. Well, we understand too, that people aren't buying a bow every year. For the most part, you have our guys that, I mean, like in the industry and all, and your diehard hunters, they're going to buy a bow every year, every two years. But when it comes down to your everyday consumer, they're going to be buying bows every five to six years. So they're going to want something that's going to, I mean, they might buy an $1,800 bow just because, but, your average guy is going to, is going to buy something right in the middle of the line and something that's going to last them a long time. And I think that's kind of where we benefit, um, as far as having an aluminum bow that's going to last a little bit longer, it's going to have less issues. Um, and we also kind of get into our warranty system and, and that's something that lasts a little bit long, which I know you're familiar with our, our free strings and cables for life. So every two years, um, you get free strings and cables. So that is another positive of going from, seven strings down to three. Yeah. <laughs> we only got to get you three, but, um, that's, yeah, that's another one of those benefits. It's just going to last a little bit longer. So, but yeah, I mean, if you even look at that factor, if you got a guy that does keep a bow for four years on average, if he gets two sets of free strings and cables, I mean, strings and cables have gone through the roof. You're talking yeah. anywhere from 150 to $200 a set. I mean, you're talking, if you do on the high side, that's $400 with a free strings wrapped up into the price of the bow, you know? Um, so we try to do those things. When we designed that program, we were, were very automotive driven around here. We were looking at things like Chevy and Ford were doing where they were throwing in oil changes for life on the vehicles or, or that kind of stuff. And we're like, well, why can't we do that on the bow side? You know, we're a big enough company. We build everything in house. We don't have to worry about, you know, leaning on other brands. Um, yeah. Did we get a little behind on strings during COVID? Sure. But I don't think anybody was, wasn't behind on about 90% of everything. Um, but yeah, we, we struggled through it. We got them out and we still made sure everybody got their strings and cables and got, got them taken care of. So, um, yeah, we try to do things outside the box and, you know, keep it in a good price. No, for sure. And I don't want to come off as a, a total leg humper of, of prime. Obviously I'm, I'm uh, reviewing, you know, a several different bows. I just was oh yeah very impressed with this prime. And when I say that, the stuff that I look at, shootability, durability, price, tunability, standard stuff, right? Any, what anybody looks at, um, you know, when they buy a bow. And so for, for me, um, I don't, the cool factor shit does not make a fuck to me. Like, I don't care who's shooting what, I don't care. Because those guys are getting paid anyway. 
Um, and, and I don't want yeah. to, you guys to have to talk about this unless you want to. The, the reality is, I mean, I'm not going to get paid by anyone because I'm too polarizing and I use too much shit. But I, 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 I'm not, I don't get paid. But many other people that are shooting a bow that are promoting it at the level that they are are getting paid. We all got to eat. I'm not discrediting that, but people need to know that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. Yeah, you said it. We did know. But, I mean, we, we say it every day. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, even me on my side, if I didn't work here, I wouldn't buy a new bow every year. You know, I mean, there's no way, you know. Um, technology doesn't jump as fast as it probably did 15 years ago where every year was like, Oh man, there's something going on. I gotta have a new bow every year. But, um, but yeah, but a lot of those guys that are out there promoting these products, not a lot, almost all of them are somehow getting products for free. Um, they're getting a paid sponsorship. I mean, uh, they're getting paid for their shows They're getting paid for their, I mean, God, it's not even just shows anymore. It's Instagram stars. It's influencers. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of everything when it comes to these guys. And yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna push, what they're supported by and who, you know, and the brand that's, that's paying them or, or, you know, helping them with product, you know, me and you had this conversation the other day where, you know, I know you're going to play with other bows. I know you're going to, you know, shoot other things where, you know, we, we, we have a relationship because we understand that. And, uh, it's not just because, Hey, I'm going to get Aaron a bow or he's going to buy one of our bows. Yes. It's awesome. Cause we know you're going to play with other things but you're going to be honest with the product reviews that you're going to put out. And I think that means more to us as a brand to have somebody like you, that's going to give it to the customer straight than it is to pay somebody for them to necessarily, you know, sell the bow. I mean, yes, we do have pro staffers and we do have those sponsors. I mean, Casey should be talking more on this than me. He's the marketing guy, but um, you know, we want the guys that are going to truly shoot our product because they love our product, not necessarily just because they're getting paid for it. I mean, that's one thing we get a lot of, a lot of guys ask for pro staff positions that, um, you know, or send the letter in where they send it to three other brands and they accidentally don't take off the other name and send it to us, ask for sponsorship. We you know, we'd rather have a guy shoot our product. Um, and then us approach them because that's, they've been shooting our product cause they love it and they support it. Not because we're the ones, you know, Hey, here's free bow or here's some dollars behind to do it. And I think, I think that's a big reason why if you do look at our pro staff, we have a relatively small pro staff and it's been a lot of people that have grown with the company mm -hmm. and their ideas are heavily used and they're people we trust. We don't have a ton of people where we just kind of have them on contract just for the, the brand awareness type thing. But, um, yeah, but it's, it's really why we keep it small. It's just so we can, we do, I mean, let's use Levi Morgan, for example. I mean, it doesn't matter what bow he's going to pick up for the most part. He's going to be able to shoot it really, really well. Um, and and that, that doesn't say much about Matthew's product, you know, necessarily. So um, when you have these influencers that have been pushed certain products, yeah, like you said, a lot of them are pushing them because they're the ones that pay the bills. And um, they shouldn't be pushing them as far as, this is the more superior product. They should be pushing them as this is a company that helps me support what I do. And that's the way I think a lot of the influencers should be pushing product rather than, um, you should be pushing a company to help support the person that you like. So, um, that's what I see more on, on the influencer side. Well, and I, I think, um, and again, Frank and I are in the same position you guys are, and I, and, and we're both also, uh, me a little bit more. So I'm also the, um, you know, I, I test, I design, Frank tests, he design, we have to give people products and we get products and, and we also have people bug us to pay us to promote their products, which we're lucky enough we don't have to do. Um, 
The one thing I would say is if someone is spayed by, we'll say prime, if they're not like, I drew my 72 pound I five back with a 125 grain, pick your broadhead tipped with what? And it's like, Oh, Jesus Christ, man, what are you writing? Gone with the wind? Just shoot the deer. Okay. We don't, I mean, that's a little much, but if somebody just promotes it because they like it and it's not overboard, I don't see any issue with that. But when you, you know, couldn't, couldn't have got it done with whatever. Well, I can tell you right now for the right amount of money, I'll get it done with a spear if you gamble with me. So I'll figure out a way, but the bow does help, right? If you shoot it well. It's yeah. the guys that go overboard yeah. that I'm kind of like, or the person that's killed a grouse in five years of hunting, promoting how you know great this bow is. Well, I get it that it's a oh, great well. bow, but man, you, you know, we're, we, you know, we, we, 14 day backpack hunts, two, three, four of those in a row. You know, beating the hell out of the bow, it's still accurate. You know, on and on and on. Those are the things I want to convey to people. Those are what is important. Not that Prime gave me, you know, 1,200 bucks a month. Uh, and of course, I'm going to like Prime if they're paying me. They're feeding my family. I want to promote Prime or whatever the bow company because it's a good product. There was thought into it and good people behind it. It is kind yeah, of muddy no, in the man. industry today. Uh, and I don't think it's going to change. I mean, with more and more people wanting to be influencers and more and more people that want these celebrity type um, titles and, you know, walking around a, a trade show that they probably have no business being at, um, you know, puffing their chest. Hey, it's, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, if we can work with the guys that we feel are good ambassadors for not just prime, but archery and hunting in general, those are the guys we're going to, we're going to go with. We kind of, we talk about it internally and it's kind of been a joke. Um, but we look at guys that, Hey, could you be in hunting camp with that guy for six days straight and not kill him? Okay. That's the guy we want to work with. You know, if we're going to choke that guy by the third day, just because he's a great influencer, doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's, it's a right pick for us, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to that and a lot of, right. I mean, I, I, in the, I don't want to be in Casey's position, having to work, you know, having to even pick with some of those guys and, and trying to find the right ones. I mean, it's, uh, it's not easy, you know, and, you know, and, yeah, and there was, yeah, just kind of tagging off what Brian said, there was one really big influencer that we were, we were looking to sign and talk to him a little bit and it was really close to, to work. And, and then we, we just kind of, it came down to we don't want to we wouldn't enjoy spending camp with him i don't think as much as we would these other people and we find that to be a little bit more important that wasn't um, frank was it uh no 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 that was a different <laughs> phone call <laughs> but so yeah that's kind of what it comes down to for us is we keep it small we have good people and all our people have a, a specific reason behind them being on the team and it's not just there to to get the word out, you know, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, there's nothing easy about any of this, you know, from designing the product to selling the product to picking the right people behind the product. Um, but we, we, we feel like we've done a pretty good job at it and, you know, we're going to grow at the pace that we want to grow at. I mean, yeah, we'd love to be number one already, but we're doing things to try to make the brand as tangible and as, trustworthy and you know a guy can grab a bow and, and not necessarily just love the bow but love the brand behind it love the people behind it um you know those those are important things on things that i wear things that i use and, you know i hope most people would rather do it that way than just go out there because you know so and so's 
telling you to shoot this broadhead and he killed this buck at this distance with this broadhead, blah, 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 blah. You know? Yeah. Those are great. When I'm learning from that stuff, but it's not going to make me rush out there and buy that product right that second. I'm going to do a little research and I'm going to figure out where that product's made, you know, who's, who's making it behind it, you know, things like that, especially now because, you know, you go from a lot of family brands that have been around for 20, 30, 40, 50 years to, I mean, half the industry is, or more than half the industry is three or four brands now. And, uh, you know, it, that's great. And I'm glad those brands have grown, but I'm going to give it to the small guy and make sure he still can, you know, feed his, his entire team and, you know, keep, keep those guys happy. You know, we, we have close to a hundred employees here in a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, and it's, it's been pretty awesome to be with a company like this. You guys, did you guys hire, hire Kyle Rittenhouse? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I just, he's from Michigan. Oh, oh, God. Uh, don't even answer. Don't answer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> fuck. Um, I uh, we're talking about you know kind of what. <laughs> shut up, right? so stupid. <laughs> he needs a job. Oh no, uh, shit! You'd have to put him undercover in the factory though, because I think you guys might have some picketers oh. going on. Um, <laughs> So yeah. I was in a tree stand through the whole trial, so I had a lot of time to watch the trial. So that's why. <laughs> um, so everything yeah. that we talked about on the, you know, the 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 influencer and you know, my thing and what I hope to do and try to do is get the information out of why the product is good or bad. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm not going to bring up a bow. I did a review a couple years ago, and I had made the point: this bow is really accurate, but and it wasn't it wasn't a prime. It's a little muddy about three quarters through the draw cycle. So if you got shoulder problems, you may not, you know, this may not be the bow for you. Got a little hate mail over that. And I'm like, uh, it is a little muddy. Like, why are you mad at me? I said good things too. Like, I, I'm trying to be honest about this. And the last time I checked, uh, Frank does not shit gold. Uh, I certainly don't. And you guys don't either. We do our best to make the best product we possibly can. But one man's perfect is not, may not be another man's. And so I try to highlight... Um, you know, specific or certain things. One of the downfalls with your your previous models was there was 11 strings, right? There was also pros yeah. to that, right? There was good things that went along with that, but it had to be noted that you got 11 or seven strings and some other, you know, parts and pieces to it. There's a good and bad. I would be doing a disservice by not mentioning that, but I would also be a disservice by not telling people the pros to that system. And there were pros. Very, I mean, obviously there were because how the CAN system worked. Um, with, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse to death too much. I, I think being disingenuous when people speak about a product is the biggest irritation to me because of money. Um, if I like your bow, um, I mean, I'm in a different category. You're not paying me, but if I like your bow and I talk about your bow and you were paying me, but if somebody asked another about another bow and I could speak about that bow, yep, that's not a bad option either. It's the guys that it's only this, this will make you better, you know, you're going to be better in bed. Like those kind of sales pitches are the ones where I'm like, come on, dude, Jesus, chill out. And I have never seen any of your people do that, actually. So. No, and, and that's kind of like what we said. I mean, there's a picking the genuine guys that are out there. I mean, um, have we picked perfect every single time? No. I mean, there's definitely some guys that are no longer with us for certain reasons. Some had nothing to do with that. Some had things to do with that, you know? And, um, you know, if I, I would, I would you know, take Matt Singer right now, you know, if you go out there and ask Jason right now about a Matthews or a Bowtech, you're not going to bad talk that. He's going to say they're great bows. They're, you know, go to shop and shoot the one that fits your hand the best. You know I mean? Obviously he's going to want you to buy a prime, 
But at the end of the day, if you're in there and you're enjoying archery and backpack hunting and doing the Western thing, that's where, that's what makes him happy. You know, and that's what, well, you know, and that's one thing is you're never, you're not going to hear us even as a company really say like it's prime or nothing just because everybody's different. Everybody shoots a bow differently. Like we kind of already talked about and there are certain bows that's going to fit people better than us. And that's totally fine. As long as, as long as you're shooting a vertical bow or yeah. <laughs> then we're pretty happy, but it's, I mean, we're not, we just encourage people to shoot every bow when you're going to shoot, shoot a bow and buy a bow, shoot every one on the line and, and pick the one that's going to shoot best for you. Cause in, in the end, that's going to be the bow you're going to be shooting all year and you're doing yourself a disservice if you're just buying it off of branding or even what somebody says. I mean, somebody can give you a recommendation, but go see it for yourself too. Um, and we feel confident enough that what we put into this bow is going to outperform on the range a lot of the bows out there. So we feel confident enough in that, that that's going to sell us bows. So if it doesn't, then heck, buy a different bow. We don't, it doesn't bother us too much. And that being said, you know, I mean, a lot of guys do go shoot bows and buy bows at five feet at a range in a shop, which is more common. I mean, that's about where you get a lot of shops, maybe 20 yards where our bows really kind of come into play at that 40, 50, 60, 70 yards, um, which is tough to do when you're trying to sell a bow. So those are some of the things that we've had to chase, not necessarily chase, but enhance on our products because yeah, our bow does do that stuff at longer distance. If you were a golf, you know, baseball shooter at 40 yards, you could be a golf ball shooter with our product. We're really not changing much, mm-hmm. but you can't really tell that at five yards. So you got to figure out, you know, what's the bow that's quiet? What's the bow that's dead in the hand? What's the bow that, you know, is simple. Um, and that's where we've had to kind of grow and go, okay, yeah, we got the accuracy down. Um, all right, we've, we've tweaked this, we've tuned that. All right, let's figure out how to make it quieter. Let's figure out how to make it deader in the hand. Um, you know, let's, let's do these little things that we feel have already we've accomplished a lot, but just to kind of take them to the next level. Um, so that way we are fair with everybody. You know, everybody's fair with us. We're fair with everybody else. When a guy does walk into the shop and go, man, this bow's great. Or, I mean, I've heard it before from some of these short axle axle brands that they love the bow. It's shot great in the shop. They go out and try to shoot 40, 50, 60 yards. They're back at the shop a month later going, man, I can't shoot this bow to save my life. We're trying to be honest on the front side and make sure that they drag a bow that feels good in their hand, that they're never going to have to come back to the shop and go, man, this bow just doesn't shoot. We're, we want that bow to be, to blossom as they, you know, as they shoot it more. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with word of mouth. They just, and that's where we kind of do utilize our pro staffers and, and people, I mean, shop guys and, and people that have went out and bought their, bought their bows as we rely on that kind of feedback to help get the word out. Cause it's something you can't see in the shop. So to help, confirm and and i mean what we've been telling everybody about we can say are both accurate until our eyes turn blue but until you go out there and actually see it for yourself i mean that's that's what's going to make the difference is um is yeah because accuracy is so tough to show how can you say that this is more accurate we have certain features on our thing we have all these numbers to help prove it but but are you going to sit down and and go through all these algorithms and and all these equations to to see why it actually is a little better. Um, no, you're not. So to rely on people to kind of have their feedback and kind of some of the feedback that you had where you're getting bullet holes out of multiple different arrows and, and it's shooting really well for you. Um, that's kind of the stuff that is tough to market, but it's, it's important to us to hear that kind of stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Well, 
Fellas, I just looked down. It was a quick hour and 10 minutes, but I probably should quit pestering you and, uh, and get to work. Frank's giving me the evil eye. Actually, I'm That's not, not sure. his phone. <laughs> That's not true. No, um, you guys are good, man. We, we appreciate, you know, hopping on here with you guys and getting a little bit of the word out here. And, you know, absolutely. You know, so we'll see you here in a little bit at a few shows. You'll, well, you'll probably, probably see my cardboard cutout. <laughs> you'll see Frank. I'll go to so. I'll go to one for sure. Um, maybe maybe one. I uh, I I, I uh, I'm guiding for Scotty from January, February, and March. So unfortunately, I'm not gonna be able to make it to the Western Hunt Expo or the Sheep oh, Show. I really damn. wanted to go, but uh, I won't be there. So sorry. Um, we I I, I Dad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do I do appreciate you guys hopping on, and I definitely um in 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 my more excited by a long stretch than I thought I would be um, with this with this bow, the inline five. Not because I I didn't like your products, I just already knew them. And this um, upgrade, I would call you know a major upgrade, and a lot of things that you guys had had, had have done uh, was a pleasant surprise. You don't, there's not much. You know, you hear every year best ever by like what a fraction of a percent like you know there a lot of the shit is the same for you guys actually made quite a bit of a change and and to the good i was very impressed so i'm i'm excited to kind of get the word out and you know you know let people know like hey um you know this is what it's offering this is what it's doing and and this is what they've changed so anyway i'm I'm excited and i appreciate what you guys have done and i appreciate you getting on the podcast no that that means a lot you know i mean like you said it it was nerve-wracking for us to try to come out with something new, you know, I mean, from engineering to sales and marketing, but to be able to bring something out that people truly appreciate and can see, you know, see the change. I mean, that's, that's important. Yeah. See all the hard work we put into it. Um, it, it means a lot to us. You know I mean? We're, we're still a small company, but we're growing and we're taking market share every day. And it's, it's guys like you trying to help get the word out there. I mean, I know you're going to put the word out there for a couple other brands too, but um, you know, any little bit helps and you know, it, it means a lot for us to even be able to come on here and talk with you guys. Yeah. So we appreciate that. Oh yeah, of course. Anytime. Um, well, I, uh, I'll keep you guys posted obviously as I kind of dial this thing in a little bit, you know, more and, uh, let you kind of let you know where you guys shook out. I have a hard time believing, uh, you certainly are going to win, um, you know, the, uh, the price, you're going to win the price point category by a good stretch. And you're also going to win the, the best changes, or at least in my opinion, uh, you know, pretty easily. I don't know, like on the other, you know, deals, who knows? Cause I got to shoot a bunch of other ones, but so far you guys are kicking ass. I'm uh, very impressed. And I strongly encourage anybody listening in, go grab one of these three models. Cause, um, again, very rarely do you see a big change and you guys definitely made one. Absolutely. We appreciate that. Thank awesome. you. All right, guys. Take it easy. All right, boys. Enjoy it. Be good.